Hey there, this is John. Uh, we're back with a little on the long side. With me, as always, is Jim Henderson. And uh, today, I believe, we're going to chat about sustainability. Hey, John. Uh, thanks Thanks for the intro. And uh, yes, today we we had the choice of sustainability or downsizing. And, and I thought we'd uh, go with uh, sustainability. A last meeting we had, we talked uh, about environment and... Uh, the reason I wanted to touch on sustainability before we jump into this phenomenon called downsizing, which is exciting but scary at the same time, is I, it, I felt like there's there's more to add to the environmental topic that we were on last uh, mm-hmm. last here on the long side. But uh, I want to start with the, some of the misconceptions of sustainability. I think, first of all, there's this this uh, sense that sustainability is about the environment and and yes that's true but there's also sustainability of a community sustainability of family and as you know we worked on this project jlh uh, sustainable housing we built a, a sustainable house but we we really were building a a house that sustains family and sustains a community at the same time and uh, i think it's kind of a global approach to the environment. I mean, we, we hear so much about the environment. It, and, and as we, as I mentioned in the last uh, session we, we had, it's, it's political environment. Sustainability is, is, again, it's more of a global approach. And, and if you look at, uh, in Google, there's a lot of movement towards sustaining communities and sustaining families. And, Connecting them all together with the environment, I think, is important. But it starts, I, th- I think, with, I mean, we all, most of us have to work. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things, when, when, during the industrialization of the country and things were going from zero to 100 real fast, and we got into the 50s and 60s and cars and TVs, and there were so many things um, being built that, this whole new economy was built off. Um, people would get a job for Ford or GE, and they kept it their whole life. I mean, yeah, a, a job tenure of of, uh, of six months or eight months was not. You don't see it. It's not prevalent like it is now. Right. Yeah. No. I mean, people would work their whole lives. Second generation for the same working in the same mill. I I grew up in a mill town in northern Maine, and. I, the expectation when I got out of high school was that I would get a good paying job at the paper mill. And that's where you would stay. So, and again, you know, it's interesting, you know, now that we're talking about it, just, I, I was back there three or four years ago, I brought my daughter up to this Northern, Northern Maine town just to kind of show her where I'd grown up, it, mostly from 12 years old uh, up through high school. And there was nothing. We we drove through through the downtown area, which is on the river, which is where the paper mills were. There wasn't even a business open in the downtown, and and there was the mill had long since been shut down, and it was like a ghost town. It really, really was eerie. Uh, when I was there, I mean, it was thriving. I mean, the the mill was everything, and everybody worked in a business related to the mill. Either you worked in the woods and cut trees down, which is what my father did, 
uh, or you worked in the mill or you had some business that that supported the mill, supported the mill or yeah. the mill supported you. Mm-hmm. But convenience stores, uh, insurance agencies, and all these places that I remember being in the downtown, they're all gone. And so I think sustainability needs to start with businesses because without people having a predictable income, without having a predictable job, it's hard to sustain even your own family, mm-hmm. let alone the environment. You're, you're not thinking about the environment if you're wondering if how long you're going to keep your job or whether you're going to be able to stand working there because of whatever the, the pressures are now. But you just don't see long-term employees anymore. They're, they're transient. And a lot of it is because I think the the company itself doesn't represent sustainability uh, in, in taking care of the, their staff and and uh, giving them a place that they, they know they're going to be able to stay in. Mm-hmm. And we started talking about this the other day, John, with, with our company, because re- reflecting 31 years, I, I've got some people that are still with us 31 years, and it, in almost in any industry, that's not heard of. Yeah. But um, I think that that is a base. And, and we, as a company and as an owner of a company, I, I feel a certain sense of accomplishment in knowing that for those that have wanted to be within the company, it's not a glamorous job, but it's, a, it's work and you can depend on every day having something predictable. Mm-hmm. Um, and looking back, I, you know, I think that was, that's probably our greatest accomplishment is sustaining families and sustaining jobs for people. In fact, we started with only two people and you know, in, in the two offices, we've got about 40 full-time you know, it's not going to be in the Fortune 500 or anything, but it's nice to know that there's roughly 40 families that know every day they have a job. Yeah. Some of which, as you said, go back to day one. The, the, first, the first guy you had with you is still with you now. Correct. Yeah. It's, it, it goes by fast. I, I, I don't know where the time went. We hear that all the time. <laughs> uh, I don't want to use that cliche, but... But it's true. It is true. Time flies. It is true. You've, you've been with us over 15 years, mm-hmm. John, and uh, boy, that's been a ride. It yeah. It really, really has. I, um, I just can't get out. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've all wondered what it would be like outside of here, and, and it might be good. I don't know. <laughs> I think I've got us stuck here for another 31 years. That's right. But... <laughs> well, hey, it is what it is. Oh, but it's but, great. This, this, it's, it's fantastic to be a part of a company that has got the longevity that this company does have and to know that i'm not just the lone freak that's that's made it this long you couldn't know? find a it's, job elsewhere that's right yeah nobody else would take <laughs> nobody me else would take but the, but the fact that uh that you know kent has been with you for 31 years that's right. fantastic yeah. and other guys have been you know 20 25 years yeah it, it's unheard of back in the in the 90s i worked in the staffing uh industry for a time and then we were starting to see a shift up to that time it was you know longevity at a job that was key Mm -hmm. if you weren't at a job for at least four or five years well you were questionable but then coming into the late 90s uh early 2000s uh, as technology companies were starting to come up what what we saw in the human resources industry was that if you weren't making job changes every few years you were stagnant Right, and that that I suspect is still the case in the tech industry, which which we're starting to dip our our toes into. Uh, 
but it's it's still with all that said it's still fantastic to work for a company where as you said i've been here for over 15 years hope to be here for quite some time uh but it's great to know that there are a few companies like ours around where if you're looking for that longevity and that stability that you can find it but they're probably few and far between especially with smaller businesses but uh, but it's out there and it's great my family has been sustained through this company for a long time kent's mitch's you know all these long-term guys owe that that stability to to getting to work here well and and, and it's not by accident it's more by design mm-hmm. and i guess that's what i want to get back to is the design of sustainability and and, and i think there is a there's a priority and, and and i think we've got it a little bit backwards you know where i was pointing to someone else to solve our problems and and it's not us and and uh if if only so and so the government or whatever political party you want would do something different things would be different and and we we need to be more aware that it isn't someone else it's us and so as a business owner i think that was my number one priority for years was sustaining families and and as we became more comfortable with that and we had built this niche if you will of very very exclusive type work that we do for a number of private families um it's as you get a little older as as i have and uh, quite frankly john you have I don't know what you're talking about. I haven't <laughs> aged today. No, none of us have. <laughs> but you start seeing things in a you, you see things differently. You know, when I was right out of school, I was going to conquer the world, and we all were, right? And and there wasn't anything that was going to hold hold me back. And and I was very idealistic. I remember some of my first relationships. Uh, uh, with my wife and her friends and they'd already been through school and had started their careers. And I was kind of like the kid, the new guy. And, and, and I would, well, you know, you've known me for 15 years mm-hmm. and uh, very exuberant about everything that I did. And, and the, the, the expression was you're seeing things through rose colored glasses, Jim. And I said, no, no, these are thick black plastic rimmed glasses. They're not rose colored. And these things are going to happen. But I think, Again, the world hadn't impacted me. Uh, the world was my oyster. And, and, and so I think I adopted a lot of the things that I saw around me as someone else's problems. And, you know, if somebody would do something about that, that would be different. And over time, I realized it's, it's us. It's, it's individuals that are going to make the difference. And so uh, as we started growing our business and, and I have to admit, a lot of the people that have come into the folds at the William Seahuff Company are people that just were disenchanted with where they're working. I mean, Kent had two degrees already and was working on a third and delivering pizza and uh, just wasn't happy with the real world. I mean, he had a, a degree in physical therapy. He had a, was working on a, a, de- a degree in ministry and and I, I don't know what the other one was, business and accounting, I think, and which is kind of what he's doing for us now, pretty yeah. much all our accounting. He accounts manager and has been doing that for many years, and that was his niche. But he found it through us. So that was kind of cool. But <clears throat> looking looking at that and saying, okay, you know, we got this one piece of the puzzle. And as, as I was saying, you get a little older, you, you want to be more responsible to your community and to your environment. And, and for the past 15 years, we've really taken that to heart. 
And and then I, I'm realizing as as we took the big jump and went solar with our uh, facility in Naples about four years ago now. Mm-hmm. It was a major investment, but we had been gradually working up to that. We we started doing things like recycling our cardboard and uh, reusing it, uh, offering free used boxes and things like that. And then we recycle as much of our wood that we can and reuse them in crating and whatnot. But having someone else be the one that makes the change doesn't set an example, certainly, but it, and, and, and you're not going to see the change unless you do it yourself. So I, I get asked, you know, what motivated you to spend $250,000 on solar for your warehouse? And I said, well, it was the right thing to do. It was the right time. It was the right thing because a lot of these families, John, have kids. And, and, and we hear about water quality in, in Florida. And if we don't do something proactive about our environment, the children of the, the staff members that we have, what kind of environment are they going to live in? What are my children's children? What are our grandchildren going to inherit environmentally? It's a lot easier to do something yourself than to wait for someone else to do it. Uh, that's what I think. Yeah. I mean. Well, we've talked about that before. What's, yeah. who? Somebody should really do something, something about, about that. Right. <laughs> and And so, again, we're going back onto the environment, but I think, the reason I wanted to just touch base on the word sustainability is because, again, it, it really, l- let's look at the family. So you've got a job that you're sustained with, mm-hmm. and you can be comfortable knowing that you have a paycheck. And, and uh, even during the recession, we didn't really lose anybody. We, we kept our staff. We, we made it happen. It wasn't easy. Um, no, no, no handouts or giveaways in small businesses. Only the big businesses get bailed out. Right, right. And uh, their sustainability was on our backs through our taxes, of course. Uh, another subject we should have that one. The talks about talk about taxes. We shouldn't. If there's any government agencies out listening that want to write some grants, we'll uh, uh, we'll get, take them. Uh, my number will be at the end of the podcast. Somehow, I think we'll pay for those grants one feel, way or the other. I feel like you're probably right, but I'll still take it up front. <laughs> so. Now, uh, you, you, so your uh, company sustains you. Your family uh, is sustained. Mm-hmm. And, and I think from there, we have healthier families. We have families that, that feel more united. And, um, and we, we see broken families, and the, it's expensive to all of us. Uh, and so there's the predictability brings about this sense of security and in that security is sustainability. What I've seen is now a lot of our staff, as they get older, are really adopting the things that we're initiating as a company in terms of like, just think of all of our community environment, all the nonprofits that we do work for um, and you know we trade services for. And there's gotta be 20 or 30 of them. And uh, what's really unique is to see how much the staff are owning these things and, and getting behind, like um, Friends of Foster Children, which is all about helping foster children get through school and graduate because, you know, they they have the lowest graduation rate of any socio-demographic group in the United States, and no, not many people know that. They have such dysfunctional families, and it's so bad that the state government takes these kids out of their homes and places them in 
foster homes. And you would think that's a good thing. But the problem is that because it's government and because parents have the say as to whether those kids can be adopted or not, it's a back and forth, push me, pull you their entire childhood. And in the process, they, a lot of them never finish high school. So like 46% graduation rate, less than 50%. Yeah. And, and how does that affect our sustainability? Well, it, we can talk about how that affects us on our taxes because uh, it's, it's mind boggling the costs uh, for that. Um, right about now, maybe 28,000 foster children in, in the state of Florida. If you figure on 43%, not even finishing high school, the pay rate for somebody without a high school education is abject poverty. I mean, be lucky if you're making $20,000 a year somewhere without at least a high school education. Even with, with a high school education, the national average is only like twenty six or 27000 yeah. Sounds like a lot, but you qualify. But it's for, not. No, you qualify for food stamps and all kinds of welfare subsidies at, at, at twenty six, twenty seven thousand. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to at least get a two-year degree or have some type of technical training to break out of that cycle of poverty, break out of that cycle of need and more need and more need. And so anyway, that is one of the uh, nonprofits that we work with, we support. And, and <clears throat> what's really cool is to see the staff engaged in that. Whenever we're setting up for their annual gala, you know, we transporting things back and forth and the guys really get behind that. Yeah. And um, I mean, I know you really get involved and, and are pretty excited about some of the groups that we're working with. Absolutely. Friends of Foster, like you're saying, the, their annual event, the back to school event for the, the kids and the families they support, the Night to Shine organization, which uh, uh, helps out with kids who wouldn't necessarily get to experience the the prom or the the uh the school dance experience they help with that and what an amazing group of people that has was at at its onset and has turned into i I don't know how many countries you said the tim tebow foundation the tim tebow yeah tim tebow foundation started uh, a night to shine uh, i think about five years ago as just a way to get some local kids in northern florida uh that didn't you know they were not uh ones that would go to the prom because of maybe a handicap or something or, or just uh, their their needs. Mm-hmm. And it started out with a handful, and it's now like 63 countries. Uh, hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of these go on in the United States now every year in the spring. And uh, what they do is they, they get these uh, children and young adults and, and teenagers um, – uh, out on the night with the limo picking him up and dropping him off and, and, and then having a chaperone. And, and they fact, outfit him with a, with a ball gown. The ball gowns. And, and, and when, when we first were asked if we had some storage, I, I remember asking, I, I knew about the foundation. I, you know, Tim Tebow's a, just a great guy. I mean, he, uh, he just, he, he has a passion for people and, and people with needs and all over the world. But, so I, I knew about it, but then I, I got the call one day. It actually came through my wife, and she knew somebody who knew somebody at a church. And anyway, they were like, do you have any room for storing some of these ball gowns? Absolutely, no no problem. Well, you know, it started out with, <laughs> with you know, 20 or 30 of them, and, and now I think there's thousands of them because as soon as people knew what this was about, 
and they needed donations, well, I mean, people were just, I mean, you only use the ball gown once. You yeah. can't use it twice. Yeah, we're, and we're fortunate to be in a town that is populated by people who have a lot of ball gowns and, and oh yeah, nice threads to share. So anyway, we, 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 if anyone out there needs a ball gown for a night, uh, we, we're, we're sure we have one that will fit and, and, and fit the occasion because yeah. there's thousands of them in, we, in storage here right now. We know now. some people that can help. <laughs> but uh, it, 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 it's just really cool to see the interaction with community, with our company, not just as a company, to say that we're helping because we all hear about that. Of course. And some of it's sincere, but I think some of it is just to get people to buy their product. Oh, sure. And, it's PR. It's marketing. Yeah. Absolutely. So I, I think for us, it's pretty genuine. I, I People ask me how many different things we're involved with. I, I don't keep track. If there's a need and we can meet it, we do. Yeah. And I mean, there's some things that we just don't have the time or the resources, not a good fit, but it has to do with kids or it has to do with anybody with needs, uh, single moms. I mean, there are just so many groups that we're actively involved with. Yeah. Um, well, so, and it's great because this this ties back to what you said earlier, that businesses play a large part in sustaining communities. And, yep. and so we are always happy to get to help some of these groups that do play a huge part in sustaining our community here in Southwest Florida. And it it is a joy for us. And sure, you know, it's a little extra work and sometimes it's a sacrifice, but that's what giving is. Right. And so we're pleased to be able to to do our part, not only from a business standpoint, but you know, from a charitable standpoint as well, to, to, to help sustain this phenomenal place that, that we're fortunate enough to live in. Right. Yeah. And well, and, and I've taken it a little step further beyond the community uh, now into the environment and uh, what I can do with my own business, what we can do with recycle, reuse, solar, et cetera. But now we're taking it a little step further. I, I joined and I'm only on two boards. It feels like I'm on 30, but uh, a board of directors for Audubon Western Everglades. And, and this house has to do with water quality. And, and you know, what we do in the environment is more air quality. We, we, we've kept uh, just, uh, just about a million pounds of CO2 since we went live with our solar. A million pounds of CO2. That's, John, that's the equivalent. This is, this is dirt in the air. Um, a lot of it, a million pounds of dirt is, I believe you can put about 20, maybe 30,000 pounds in a, in a dump, dump truck. So 30 into a million. I mean, that's, yeah, we've, run, we've run the numbers before. It's like a 1500 dump trucks end to end. Right. That's enough to go from here to Miami and just one business in four years. So we're doing a part on the air quality. I'm feeling good about it. I, I was hoping to put a little bit of peer pressure on other businesses and unfortunately in in the great town of naples nobody else has embraced it and and i'm disappointed in knowing that very few if any other businesses have really taken uh the initiative to help our air quality but anyway back to the water quality i it it's a little self-serving because i came down here 25 years ago from New England, and, and one of the things that I really enjoyed was fishing in the backwater. And backwater is um, brackish water that comes in from the ocean. Uh, and there's uh, a place called 10,000 Islands, and it butt, butts up to the Everglades. And so it's south of Marco Island, but north of the Everglades. And I, I fished in the Everglades some. It's a different type of fishing. It's a little more open water. 
the backwater fishing in the 10,000 islands, it's all about the tides and, you know, you've been out with me in the man- mangrove islands and stuff. Well, anyway, 25 years ago, I, I used to go out with guides and there's there's this thing called sight fishing and anyone that knows fishing knows that's kind of the the pinnacle of fishing. And a lot of people do it for bonefish with a fly rod. I've never done that. But, or permit down in the uh, down in uh, the keys so we would do this for redfish and snook and you could literally see them in, in the clear water and in fact one of the times i took you out we were sight fishing mm-hmm. and if i remember right you were in the front of the the ginu and i could see the fish and you could see them and you cast right to it and it was like a 38 inch snook i think it was uh it was about seven feet long <laughs> Clocked in about 120 pounds. It was the biggest snook on record. Yeah, yeah. Or or about 32 inches, 38. Well, that, and that's not a fishtail. No. It's absolutely accurate. But that was, gosh, I bet eight, nine years ago. Yeah. So in the last five years, what I've what I've been witnessing is less and less clarity. And in, in fact, I went out Wednesday with my friend Phil, and uh, we, we, we caught a bunch of fish, but there's no such thing as sight fishing anymore. In the same places that were pristine and clear water just 10 or 12 years ago, consistently 100% murky brown water. And it's not polluted in the terms of chemicals or stuff like that, but I believe that is probably due to overdevelopment. And you're, you're pushing uh, the, the farmland into a more uh, condensed area. You're bringing uh, the citrus and the the tomatoes and the the, the strawberries and and they're they're learning ways to get more per acre and because the farmers can sell the land and make a lot of money off development and so that's what they're doing so we've got this huge huge uh, pressure on our what what available land we have and I, I I believe it's due to over overpopulation in in a very sensitive area down here so. Anyway, I don't know if I can do anything on the Audubon West Everglades uh, board, but it, it is a sound board so that uh, I can get educated as to what's out there, and then maybe I can be more proactive in, in educating others about the realities of uh, water quality. And uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm learning a lot, and, and, and I'm learning compromise. Um, I'm <laughs> We, we, a tough it, lesson sometimes. Th- those those of us that have been married more than a couple of years know know what compromise is. It's unfortunately when it comes to environment that compromise means we're gonna we're gonna give up some of this pristine land to development because it's the number one destination spot in the entire country. Now is Florida. Uh, I mean, acre for acre. I mean, there's more people moving into Texas because it's a much bigger state, like six or seven times the size or sure. ten times the size of Florida, we just can't sustain, and again, here's the word, sustain. We can't sustain the population that's coming here without addressing water quality and uh, the things that people came here 25, 30 years ago, the parents of the baby boomers that built Miami, that built Southern Florida over here to to Naples, and it was pristine. It was pristine 25 years ago, and it's changed. It's changed a lot. Um, it's kind of interesting when you think of the dichotomy of where I grew up, bustling mill town, everything's happening. 
it just it was just vibrant there was activity you know it was community everything was was booming and back in those days southern florida didn't even exist in the 50s so 60s i'm not that old but <laughs> in the 60s and 70s hardly anyone was coming to southwest florida or southeast florida um and now it's totally flipped when i came here uh, naples was just a sleepy little town and it was cool um two lane roads are now six lane roads mm -hmm. and we're talking mm -hmm. less than 25 years yeah. six lane roads that were just two um and as soon as they get another lane added they go right back and start putting another lane in because by the time they finish a lane the population has grown so much they got to put another one in so uh, there there's got to be at some point a breaking point in terms of water quality air quality and just quality of life down here and if we can be a part of it, if we can help we were certainly been here long enough to see the difference and see the changes and and we've certainly tried to be actively involved with uh, the issues involving environment one of the reasons we started jlh john is it embodies everything that we've talked about uh, businesses that care about families they care about people and then taking that step further and and actually building a, a house that people can afford can can sustain the family can sustain the environment i mean we're we're a few years out from going going full on with this i think mm -hmm. uh but what we learned in building a house uh through the technology that we invested in in the company at william c huff the solar and then our our uh, incredible steel building um jlh is kind of the all of those things put together and then uh, having an environment where it sustains itself literally i mean steel in the united states is mostly 100 percent recycled now and so now you've got not cutting down trees yeah uh, maintenance repairs practically nothing for 25 years in zero energy costs literally uh, and if you do it right and you put it on uh land with as little impact zero escape it uh put in a grass driveway and mm -hmm. and then so now we're addressing that water quality versus putting a, a paved parking lot or a concrete driveway where the water sheds off goes into a canal and then quickly goes into estuaries and the and the real ecologically sensitive uh areas like the mangrove islands and stuff you know it, it, it's a little bit of a tangent but I, i'm thinking we haven't had a, a major hurricane in two or three, since Irma. Right. And um, the mangroves, I've been here through three, three hurricanes. The mangroves take a beating, but then they grow back. But in the last year, a lot of these mangroves have not recovered. And, and I don't think it's because they can't recover from a hurricane, because they do. I, I was out Wednesday, and, and I, you know, it, it dawned on me that a lot of these mangrove trees are still dead. They have not bounced back mm -hmm. like they have in recent hurricanes. Again, probably a tangent, but I think it's it's certainly something that I'm going to take to the AWE guys and ask them if water quality affects the uh, life cycle of a mangrove. Sure. Which, again, the life cycle. Th th these are very very important trees in in terms of how it fits into our ecosystem. 
wading birds, all of the stuff that is on all of those little nooks and crannies in those mangrove islands. And, and I'm going to I'm going to look into that. But anyway, yeah. um, <clears throat> so sustainability uh, more than environment. Uh, it has to, at least from my perspective. It has to do with families, businesses, and communities. And uh, we need to, I, th I think we can put them all together and meet a happy balance so that, so that one isn't paying the price of the other. Mm -hmm. That our families don't have to pay the price to have a good job. Or that the job takes, pays a price because we have to... Prioritize the family. Family. Or, or, absolutely. Or, and that, you know, if we all kind of look at it as a global approach as businesses as individuals as homeowners as families i you know i think there's there's more that can be done with less effort if we had that same approach with sustainability that many hands make light work everybody doing a little bit uh in all of those areas that we've discussed i think we wouldn't be pointing the fingers as much we wouldn't have to because things would be going I think a little more smoothly. Yeah. I would Across the that. board. Sure. Well, I tell you what, let's wrap up today. Uh, always a pleasure. And uh, we'll be back to the next one. You know, one of these times we're going to have a conversation. We'll talk about JLH Sustainable and uh, what what the plan is, what JLH is all about. Because it's more than just a company that is uh, that builds homes for people. And that'll, that'll be an interesting conversation. So uh, thanks for dropping by with us. A little on the long side. And we'll see you next time.